The minute that you get labeled a conspiracy theorist, pretty much everything that you have to say ceases to be taken seriously. The red pill is just about kind of shaking up your perception of the way that things really And on the understanding that what you've been told your entire life is a consciously constructed lie. You take the blue pill, the story ends, you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. The idea of Project Bluebeam is that NASA, with the help of the United Nations, was attempting to implement a new age religion with the Antichrist at its head and start a new world order via technology simulating the second coming of Christ. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. Hawkeye Media presents... Conspiracy Pill with PJ and Abby. Enough the thing about conspiracy theories is like it's sometimes they're not going to be true. And it's okay. There's literally nothing wrong with asking the questions and pulling on the threads and doing the research. Right. It is what it is. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Conspiracy Pilled, your mostly hinged conspiracy podcast. I am PJ Williams, and this is Abby Libby. Abby, how are you doing today? I am great. Brought to you by NASA today. Brought to you by NASA. So this is season two, episode 14. We're going to be talking about the Challenger explosion. Yes. Uh, I'm very excited for this one because I did not know very much about this at all. Me neither. And I went it. So I was just going to say, in fact, I got a lot of um, comments today saying the same thing. Like, I never questioned this. I never yeah. knew that there was anything to question about the Challenger explosion. And I went I went in with one TikTok <clears throat> and yeah. thought I knew where I was going with my research. And then it was like three weeks. It's never how it works. And it just took <laughs> some turns. It took some turns. So, yeah, I got to say, I love that we do that with this show because we've talked about this before. There's there's a lot of shows that are just like, what is like what's the book report version of this thing? You know, you just mm-hmm. take the the main narrative and you never go the, like, I don't think a lot of people are asking the questions going like, well, hold on. If this is true or if this isn't true, then what is this? And how what's is this the implication? Yeah. What's yeah. the implications and like taking it and making it your own a little bit. And I like that we do that with this. So this will not be everybody else's challenger explosion conspiracy. Podcast. Not your mother's challenger not, yeah, explosion not your, conspiracy theory. I, Whatever her theory is. It's not that. <laughs> Yes, I like that. So uh, quick shout out to our local subscribers. We have two new local subscribers this week. We have Fat64, but it's fat with a PH, and I like that. So Fat64 and Infinite Zeal. So welcome over to locals. If you guys are not familiar, uh, on Thursday nights, we do another show. We call it Conspiracy Pilled Unhinged, and it is for paid subscribers. So we're on Rockfin, R-O-K-F-I-N.com slash Conspiracy Pilled. It's live there. It's live if you're a pair on the Odyssey, uh, on our Odyssey channel. And then with locals, we can't really go live there right now. So we upload it afterwards. Um, So you can kind of pick and choose where and how you want to support us that way. Um, One thing we'd like to say to you guys is we're really trying to expand the unhinged content. We're keeping it right now to just an hour. And there's a few times it's like, man, we would like to go just a little bit longer. Uh, And the only reason we can't right now is because until we get a few more subscribers on locals, it really limits how much data we can upload. So if Mm -hmm. you guys want to support the show and get more out of not just our Wednesday night stuff, but our Thursday night stuff, uh, please consider going over to Locals and subscribing. It's conspiracypill.locals.com. 
Uh, it's five dollars a month, and it, it helps us out a ton. We're trying to travel and do. Th- we got a lot yeah. of big stuff coming up, so yeah. any support I, is appreciated. You guys might not know this, but PJ is not locally real. In that, when he <laughs> is not podcasting, he does not exist. So, really, what he's asking for is another half hour of existence each week, which I think is worth your money. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's why we've been trying to do so many podcasts lately because I'm like, I just don't exist in between. Just, so, like, once wanna... <laughs> a week isn't enough. Twice a week is enough. We did. We almost did three guest appearances this week, but we had one canceled. To. Yeah. So but we did a stream anyway so that you wouldn't. So I existed. To. I existed yeah. Monday night as well. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think we should talk about the challenger. What's going on with, the, yeah. with this conspiracy? Um, where did it go? There we go. We got stingers for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So this is going to be kind of a, a big idea, heavy discussion episode. Um, we're going to revisit moon landing stuff. We're going to revisit some flat earth stuff. We're going to revisit kind of a lot of different like random things and talk about bigger ideas around conspiracy theories within this episode. I'm excited. I got super philosophical in my research. Um, but I want to say for the audio listeners, especially this first part is going to rely pretty heavily on images. We did post the m- important images on our Instagram. So if you're listening and you want to look at that, go for it. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. January 28th, 1986. Stop smiling. This is a tragedy. Um, I'm scene. just happy to be doing and the show. Scene. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm just happy to exist at all. I know. I just, I, I love doing the show. So, but yeah, serious. Um, okay. January 28th, 1986 on the 10th launch of the Challenger shuttle because they use these shuttles over and over 73 seconds in uh, it exploded. Um, it was, there were 40 million people watching when it exploded, including two and a half million kids students uh, who watched it from their classrooms so it was a really culturally rocking culturally traumatic moment um it was the first there had been a prior disaster apollo one exploded um on the platform or there was a fire on the platform that killed two astronauts but it, it wasn't like this where so many people were watching so this was the first major and still regarded as the largest disaster in NASA's history. Um, and we have we have a photo of of the whole crew who allegedly. Yes. So here's the fo- the the crew of the challenge. You said this was the tenth time. Or sorry, I was looking it at was your notes. T- it was the tenth time the shuttle itself, the Challenger shuttle, was launched. But it would have been this crew's first. Okay. Um, first time in space. So there are seven. There are seven of them. Um, and I want to play you a TikTok. The TikTok that I saw that kind of got me going on this. Um, it went super viral. It had eight million views and over a million people liked it. So let's let's do that. Show you All where right. I started. Let's check it out. For you today. And I'm just going to start out by saying it's a lot easier to control the masses and control the narrative around something through emotional manipulation. So you'll notice if something is considered a tragedy, it's like totally taboo to ask questions about it. Case closed. That's it. 
So if there's people in the comments that have a problem with this or are calling me insensitive for talking about this, that's fine because if it's true, that's the desired outcome. Anyways, this is the crew of the 1986 Challenger Space Shuttle mission. Infamously, on January 28, 1986, the space shuttle exploded right after takeoff. The disaster was broadcast on live television to 40 million viewers. Two men, Bob Eberling and Roger Boysjolly, worked tirelessly to warn NASA about an issue with the shuttle's O-rings, making calls and warning anyone that would listen going all the way back to October the prior year. They warned that if these O-rings were used on a launch on a day that was below 40 degrees Fahrenheit, that there would be a catastrophe. But of course, no one listened. Which automatically kind of makes me think they wanted the catastrophe to happen. Roughly 80 seconds after the launch, the shuttle exploded and all seven crew members lost their lives. This is Judy Resnick, an engineer and pilot aboard the Challenger mission. In 2013, an eagle-eyed internet user found Judith Resnick, a law professor at Harvard Law School. Some people were a little taken aback by the identical name, age, and likeness, so they started digging. This is Michael J. Smith, also an engineer and pilot aboard the Challenger shuttle, who passed away that fateful day in 1986 at the age of 39 years old. This is Dr. Michael J. Smith, professor of engineering at the University of Wisconsin. Hmm. This is Sharon Krista McAuliffe, arguably one of the most famous things about the Challenger mission. She was supposedly just a teacher that was picked at random to be one of the astronauts, which made it all the more tragic when she passed away due to the Challenger disaster in 1986. This is Sharon A. McAuliffe, also a law professor who received her degree shortly after the Challenger disaster. Dick Scobie was the commander of the mission. Here's Commander Dick Scobie next to Richard Scobie, the CEO of Cows and Trees. Here's his company's original logo. It's a cow, but it's not in a tree. It's strapped to a rocket, and gee, that jet stream kind of looks familiar. In fact, just in case I wasn't making it clear, uh, the top picture is the Challenger ship shortly after exploding. So, you know, hmm. Astronauts Ronald McNair and Ellison Onizuka both passed away when the Challenger shuttle exploded. Miraculously, it was found out that they both had twin brothers, Carl McNair and Claude Onizuka. But ancestry searches were done for both Carl and Claude, and there was no birth records found. And the odds of two sets of identical twins in a crew of seven are astronomical. But that's just a theory. Rest in peace to the crew of the Challenger space shuttle mission. Yeah, that's the one. That's the first time I had ever seen anything where I questioned the the Challenger explosion yeah. in, in any real way. It's pretty compelling. So what I want to do is go through each of the things that he hit and just double check them. Right. Um. So let's start at the at the top. Um. Commander Dick Scobie. Uh. His name is Francis Richard Scobie. This right. is this is his NASA image. Um, you kind of see, look at his, the way he smiles. It's a very unique smile. It's a, it's kind of crooked. Um, his eyes kind of turned down and, uh, right. Yeah. And is, is, he doesn't really smile at the edges. It's like in the middle. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Very unique smile. Okay. This is his doppelganger, Richard Scobie. This is my favorite. I'm sorry. This is my favorite <laughs> part of this so far. It's like, they'll never know Dick Scobie. <laughs> And Richard. Richard. <laughs> How would they know? We got them. But, but they did this before the internet. Yes, of course. Yeah. So you don't you don't see this. Um, this is this is an interesting point though, because there's a lot of times where conspiracy theories seem so obvious. Like, how did they think they would get away with these things? But now that we live in the internet age, it's like, well, 
they didn't see this coming. Like they had ARPANET, but they're like thinking sending messages, you yeah. know, telecommunication messages, like a like electronic mail it was the original use for it, not mm-hmm. social media, except, you know. Yeah. The other thing that's crazy to me about, there's two more crazy things about him for me. And it's hard to see in the pictures um, that we have, but you see how his canines are like slightly <clears throat> yes. protruding. This, yeah. It's literally the same with with him. Um, there are other photos that you can look up. You know, you don't have to take my word for it. You can look them up. But yeah, his it's it's difficult to see in this one, but his canines are protruding in the exact same way, if not um more hidden in this one than some Let, of the other. Let's, black and let's white just put it this way. Like statistically speaking, <clears throat> two people, same age, same exact name, mm-hmm. most well, and same profession that look even somewhat alike would be weird pretty as pretty crazy. Crap. Pretty crazy. Pretty weird. Same smile, same eyes, same teeth. Right. And and the debunkers are like, yeah, he looks similar, but his his earlobes are different. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> but you don't care when it's Biden's earlobes. Earlobes that are, that are attached different. and then not attached. And yeah. Then yeah. And yeah. they're not they're not really different. It's it's it's, it's age. age. It's, it's forty age. years, fifty years apart. Yeah. All right. So the pilot Michael Smith. Yep. This guy. And then we have <laughs> totally different Dr. Michael J. Smith. <laughs> Again, exact same smile. He has larger canines. Same face shape. I mean, this yeah. this one to me is more convincing than than Dick Richard Scobie. Mm-hmm. Like, not that it's not convincing. It very much is. But this one he is looks like, more holy similar. Crap. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's exactly the same. It's the same man, you guys. It's the same man. Yeah. Uh, it's the same photo. <laughs> <laughs> Pam, this is uh, the same photo. It's the same photo. Mission specialist Judy uh, Resnick. And her, her name was Judith. She went by Judy, but her name was Judith. Right. Um, look at the well, way. Just like, like Richard would have been Dick's real name. Exactly. They didn't ch- really change his name. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> so look, look at how she smiles and how she tilts. And then you've got Dr. Judith Resnick. And like, like she's got the same like way that her face just and the same floofy hair. It's just it's exactly the same person. They're fairly like most of these people are fairly unique. Look like mm-hmm. wouldn't exactly get lost in a crowd. Right. And the features are just so similar. Like, yeah, again, this is across decades yet. Mm-hmm. I can easily see the, the, dimples, the similarities. The dimple in her smile. Look at that. Yeah. Um, oh, what did I just do? Sorry, I got to oh, share no. it again. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> I I enjoyed putting this part of the episode together because I love looking at people's smiles. And so it just made me happy to like find all these smiling pictures of right. these very <laughs> alive people. Um, the next one, I think, is the least compelling, like... I think she's changed the most over time is Krista. So her name is Sharon Krista McAuliffe, but she went by Krista and then Dr. Sharon McAuliffe. I tried to get a different photo on each of these than the guy in the TikTok used just so that you couldn't you could chalk see it more up. Than to, one, yeah. Exactly. You can see. So she's, I think <clears throat> she's changed the most over time. She's got a much different hairstyle. Um, she was very made up. In in the first image, that mouth shape though, it's still it's, it's still the so, same. So smile. let me see if I can zoom up on this one for people because that's what gets to me with all these people. It's the shape of their mm-hmm. their mouth that's very uh, similar. Yeah, she's also got the the nose. Yeah. yeah, 
like over time, her nose became a little more hooked and a little more, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But that's normal. It's also aging. an angle thing as well. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Uh, but yeah, now my my biggest criticism of that TikTok is he makes it sound like they all have doppelgangers. But if you notice, we've only shown you six. He only showed you six. Um, I skipped the twins because they're twins. So they're like, twins. Of course, they look alike. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's very um, strange that they had two. <laughs> they were identical two sets twins. Of identical yeah. twins. I mean, identical twins are not super common anyway. And to have two sets on the same, like two sets. Yeah, I feel of like twins. I've <laughs> known a decent amount of twins in my life, but ident- not that many identical twins. They're they're fairly they're quite rare, right? And and then to have two sets, even just in all of NASA, would be crazy. I think and in my whole life, I've only on known same. two sets of identical twins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I've moved a lot too. Yeah, so. I mean, my dad's an identical twin, and he's still one of the only ones I've met. Right. <clears throat> so, yeah. Okay. So, but but they do pretend like everybody's accounted for, and there is a seventh that is not accounted for that none of these videos cover and um, we have a photo of him um this is the other payload specialist the other he he was an astronaut he wasn't on the same um he wasn't a civilian but he was also not really there for nasa he was there to research for the hughes aircraft company so he's mm. kind of doing his own thing <clears throat> um but so if he's if he's like some background character at the hughes air force company like it also would make sense that you're talking with these other people. So I'm just going to play devil's advocate for a minute, right? Because with these other people, they're doctors and specialists and people who are going to be giving comp. They're going to be more public and visible, right? This guy seems like he he looks like a janitor, but he looks like, you know what I'm saying? Like he probably, (laughs) he's probably not in the public eye as much. And also he's fairly old in this. Yeah. I, I think there's a really good chance that he had already passed yeah. Of actual natural causes by the time people started digging around for um yeah. for doppelganger. It's been a long time. It was 1986. He was yeah, he was already graying. So Yeah. Yeah. So I think he's the only one who's dead, you guys. <laughs> RIP. Um <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing. I'm a terrible person. Um okay. So, obviously, since we can't find the seventh doppelganger, everything is debunked. <laughs> Couldn't NASA possibly would... just be that one guy's yeah dead or not in public <laughs> life or anything like that. It's just completely debunked. NASA would never lie to you. NASA has no. your best interests at heart. <laughs> Where's my check? Um, <laughs> okay, so... One of the one of the things that's brought up to to debunk this is that they did at least allegedly find human remains in the crash area. Now, if they're able to lie about if they're willing to lie about the whole thing, then I think it follows that they would also lie about finding remains. But we'll come back to that because sometimes what happens with conspiracy theories is that you have a certain evidence set and it's very compelling, but that doesn't the evidence doesn't necessarily define the conclusion. And I think that there's more conclusions available than just what, what is kind of suggested by the TikTok that NASA just kind of did this for no, 
Um, That's the question I kept getting as I was posting these, because I posted these photos on Instagram earlier and I, I made a TikTok telling people about our show tonight. And the question kept going, getting, most people weren't disagreeing with it. Like I had one person that was like, they don't look anything the same. I'm like, you, you need glasses, dude. <laughs> but everybody else was like, okay, I, I believe you. It does seem like they faked these people's deaths, but why? And that was the question we yeah. kept getting. So Yeah. And that's what we, I was stuck on that question for two weeks solid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure I've, well, we're, you tell me at the end yeah. <laughs> if, I've, <laughs> if I've answered it. Um, really quick, uh, Arvolt mm-hmm. says something in the chat about uh, if if someone could AI generate like age progression on those original Ooh. photos. I would love to see that. If anybody's good with uh, like age progression software, AI or anything like that, wants to take some of these old NASA photos and just see what the 40 years of aging would have done, like yeah. just according to AI, I'd love to see if they look exactly the same as the, the that people. That would be fascinating. Yeah. That'd be fascinating. But I think if you did uh, Jarvis, it would just be a skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Peter is a horrible person. <laughs> I'm a horrible person. All right. Um, but yeah, they, they said that they found human remains. They were cremated and commingled and buried together, which is simultaneously sweet and kind of weird. Um, we have a photo of their gravesite in Arlington. Um, this is where this is where they're buried. buried it's also like, like unfalsifiable in a way, isn't mm-hmm. it? Like, is there any outside lab like i'm sure they wouldn't right it's a tragedy like that's the point right it's a tragedy so you don't question you just take take them at their word but right like outside of nasa saying it is there anything that's like they did find human remains i i don't i don't think so because the team uh, the salvage team would have been paid by nasa now you could argue that the more people who are involved the less likely they're going to be able to maintain a lie but I want to come back to that because I think okay. that there's there's a theory in which there were humans on the Challenger. They were just not the humans that we were told were on the Challenger. Mm. And I have a possible thought process as to why that might have been. So we'll get there. But we know we know NASA has been doing shady stuff about a lot of stuff for a long time. There's all kinds of stuff that they've done or lied about or just seemed to be weird about and it's been difficult to understand why short of going full the moon landing was faked or the earth is flat because what seems to like what what any small nasa conspiracy seems to be subsumed by is well they've been lying about everything forever to hide that the earth is flat and to me that's just too it's too big and then you still have to explain why they would want you to believe the earth is flat you you would have to you still have to explain why they would go to all that trouble. So to me, it's not a satisfying answer as right. to why they would do even a small thing like the Challenger explosion. So, yeah, uh, there's a, I, I love our chat cause I feel like they get ahead of us sometimes. <laughs> uh, wait, they found the bodies. Did they find unburned passports too? <laughs> yes. Well, all well, their passports. <laughs> yeah. There's something coming up, but yeah, no, like uh, I think what you were saying just to re-explain this was they said they found essentially like, charred remains of something right like there couldn't be much left in the explosion was, if anything it, the claim was that it was human and that it had been dna tested back but that was a claim yeah um and know. then <laughs> i read i read about this in both challenger and columbia so i might be mixing up or they might have said the exact same thing about both of them but we'll Probably, get there yeah um 
Annie on Twitter, if she's watching, hi, Annie. She made my favorite joke the other day where she was like, if the moon landing was real, explain Tower 7. <laughs> <laughs> that well, I followed so, her just based yes. on that. Yeah, yeah, me too. Tweet. It was great. Me too. Just one of those instant follow jokes. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay, let's move on. So as I got into this, I started to notice that there are there are parts of this that we talk about and then parts that we don't talk about mm-hmm. about NASA. People when people think of an of a NASA disaster, they think the Challenger. Um and they think this freak accident, but for the most part all the surrounding stuff they don't talk about. Uh Challenger was the the peak of the space program. There were 15 missions scheduled for that year. And all of those launches were canceled for the next two years. Um, right. The Challenger mission was supposed to be about research, <clears throat> supposed to be a work on, sil- on work on satellites, but also this massive PR push where they were launching these programs that were designed to start to get civilians into space. There had already been a couple congressmen who had gone up and now they wanted like a genuine private person, genuine civilian civilian and so they started this teacher in space program and it wasn't just to put somebody up there it was to put somebody up there who was going to teach lessons from space and to be this big PR thing about NASA because NASA we forget it's a government program um, and it's a very expensive government program so what they needed was taxpayers to be on board they needed taxpayers to be willing to fund (laughs) this incredibly expensive program Um, so that was what part of this is and um one of the craziest things to me about the Challenger disaster is that there is a universe in which Big Bird goes up into space and blows up in front of a whole bunch of kids because that, <laughs> that was the plan. That was the original plan is that Big Bird, Carol Spinney, was supposed to go up in that role. He was supposed to bring his whole outfit and do an episode from space, and there was supposed to be a VeggieTales tie-in about why he was going to go to space. And all, not VeggieTales, I'm sorry. I was going to say VeggieTales. I didn't think they were around yet. Yeah, Sesame Street. <laughs> Sesame Street. Sesame Street tie-in. Um, but ultimately, at least this was what was said to the public, um, it was too much logistically to try to get the costume into space and to be able to put it on in, in those conditions. Um, what do you have so to they, put it, like, are they talking about inside the shuttle with it on or like out on like <laughs> like in, Wait, in this side. wasn't this wasn't to the moon, right? This was just to space. It was just to space. So that okay. that I think was the problem was there wasn't going to be enough space for him right. to and every pound on the on a launch like yeah. that matters as well. I think it would have made more sense for him to go to the International Space Station, but by that point, civilians were. <laughs> allowed in space or, or they're just like how do we traumatize kids and get them to never forget this let's kill big bird and they're like let's well maybe that's a little bird. too far well too far yeah uh, can i, I want to say something else real quick there's yeah. uh one of the things that people were pointing out in the comments was um on the on instagram was that they remember watching this as kids in school and they mm-hmm. and some of the comments were well this was the 10th time they did the challenger or was, mm-hmm. this was pretty common this is the height of them doing you know, yeah. all these launches. So why were we watching this in school? And I think that, I think you answered it because like, yes, on one hand, you could look at this and say they knew it was going to explode. Therefore they wanted to get as many eyes on it and like traumatize mm-hmm. people for whatever purpose that we'll get to. But I think it's the fact that there was a teacher. So you could easily yeah. explain this as in like every school would be watching this if, 
well, a teacher was, the, was being sent to space. That was the intention was that it was a PR stunt. So yes, it was exactly. it was heavily marketed. Yeah. So it wasn't like NASA was like, make sure all the kids are watching. It wasn't like that SpaceX thing that a few weeks ago where the only reason we heard about it is because it blew up, right? right? Let's put it this way. Whether or not, whether or not they knew it was going to blow up, they wanted all the kids watching. Yes. That was, that was the case either way. Mm -hmm. Um, so (laughs) big bird didn't die in space. Instead, they, (laughs) they basically (laughs) darn, they opened up the applications to everybody. Now, I think it wasn't quite fair for the TikToker to say a random teacher. She she was one of 11,000 applicants and she was selected. Um she was Yeah, it couldn't hot. be random because yeah, you would have to meet random. certain requirements Incredible like physical criteria. and things like yeah. that. Yeah. G4 stuff. Yeah. So yeah. she and we'll talk about her a little bit later, but she also had uh, a backup. She had a, there was another teacher who um was was her second who watched it explode and was like, wow, before we get into that, I just want to say if you guys are watching this on YouTube or uh, TikTok or not TikTok, if you're watching this on YouTube or Twitch or Facebook or any of those things, uh, we are going to be going exclusively over to rumble to odyssey to Rockfin, all the free speech platforms that support us. And we're not worried about them just deleting our channels. So that's the best way to support us is to not, not watch us on the channels where we could be gone tomorrow, but the channels where we actually have a chance at having a future and growing a, uh, an audience, not being shadow banned all the time. So uh, I will drop the rumble link in the chat for you guys. And in the next couple of minutes, we'll just be shutting off YouTube and all of that stuff. So, mm. but if you're Bookstore, an audio listener, you'll still get, you'll still get the, the podcast. So. Bookstore Thor said it should have been Elmo. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Elmo fire me. Um, yeah. I like Elmo. (laughs) Would have given a whole new uh, context to the Elmo fire meme, wouldn't it? Though, (laughs) whole new terrible context. Yeah. Um. So she beat out eleven other applicants. Sharon Krista McAuliffe. She was the first private citizen in space. Um, and then the last for a very long time. Um, the immediate effect of the Challenger disaster was to put a moratorium on civilians in space. Um, so it it halted all launches for two years, including the building of the space station. And because they were right in the middle of that. And then it, it ended the second phase of the civilians in space program, which was supposed to be sending a journalist up. Um, they already had thousands and thousands of applicants. Um. So that's kind of suspicious a a little bit like right before you were going to send a journalist up there. You're like, let's not do that. Let's Let's, do that. Let's do something that makes sure that journalists stop asking questions. Damn it. Right. No more politicians in space. No more. No more teachers. No more. None of them for like 30 years. Um, You you said earlier something that's interesting with this too, right? Is that there's this theory. There's this problem with certain conspiracy theories. If there's too many people it's harder to keep the wool over everybody's eyes, right? Mm-hmm. It's harder to keep people from telling the truth. Is this not like, is it easier to, to pay off six or seven people to live alternative lives than it is to let journalists into space? Kinda. Yeah. I mean, talking about like less people being in on the truth. It starts to, it, once you start adding some of this stuff up, it does start to feel more and more suspicious. Right. So let's keep going. It wasn't until 2007 when another private citizen went into space, and that was Barbara Morgan. That was Krista's backup. She went up for 12 days, um, and she was the first civilian since the Challenger. This is her. 
Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people <clears throat> talk as if the Challenger ended the space program, but it didn't. Um, the Columbia disaster in 2003 ended, ended the shuttle program, uh, effectively ended everything we were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was alive for that. I remember that, but we never talked. I mean, have you ever heard somebody talking about the Columbia disaster? You know, what's funny <clears throat> is Gen X, older generations and us, they remember the Challenger explosion. Mm-hmm. And we remember 9-11, obviously. Yeah. But I don't remember. I, I do. I'm not saying I don't remember the yeah. the Columbia, but I, it's not like a th- I don't remember where I was kind of thing. You know what I mean? It wasn't like a huge. Yeah. It was like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember that thing. I, rem- I remember. I do remember it. I remember the house I was in. Um, I remember being sad about it. I, me- I remember thinking, oh, like this is my first launch that I right. would remember. And then like, oh, shoot, they all died. <laughs> That's awful. Um, but it just kind of faded out. It just, it wasn't. It definitely doesn't get talked about the same way that these other things that it's compared to get talked right. about. Yeah. What is that? I think it's a Disney movie uh, <clears throat> about that. That's talking about the end of the shuttle program and just like the mourning of a generation of that loss. <clears throat> is it, it uh, oh no, I don't know. It's, it's about, a, it's a, it was, you're right. I do remember this movie, movie about a ride. I can't about a ride at the park. <laughs> Hang on <laughs> about a ride at the this sounds vaguely familiar, but I can't for the life of me think of what it was. <sighs> it's darn um, somebody in chat will figure it out. Yeah, let us know. This is bothering me though. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I can get it. Tomorrowland. <laughs> it's Tomorrowland. Okay, I've never seen it, but yes, okay. now I now I know that's why it's not a familiar. I don't even remember anything about it other than the main character is just grief-stricken to realize that she's grown up into this world where there was a dream of space and then by the time <clears> she's old enough to enjoy it, it's gone. By the time she's old enough to have her dream of being an astronaut, she, of course she can't. And I remember being like, yeah, that resonates because I've loved, I've loved NASA and space ever since I was a kid. So, um, the, but it was the Columbia disaster that really did it in. What happened um, was that after, after the explosion of the space shuttle Columbia, um, they put a moratorium for two years again on any launches and Obama was president at the time uh, or by the time I was going to say not moratorium. at the time. Yeah. yeah okay. By the time the moratorium came <clears throat> up and basically he was like, we'll finish building the space station and then we're done. And that was, that was the case. So on February, this is what happened on February 1st, 2003 on re-entry. So they had had their whole mission and on re-entry, they, it just burned up and we have, I think an image of it. Yes. Let me share this one really quick. There's not really a lot of images of it. It looks like shooting stars. Um, it's not that good of an image, but yeah, you're not. right. It's It just it's looks like find. debris, shooting stars, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Just broke up. <clears throat> it's like and shooting stars in the daytime. Yeah. 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 This one makes me so much sadder than the Challenger. Um, because people might have actually died on this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the shuttle program officially ended in 2011 and a lot of people chalk this up to just another failure and fear of it. No real vision or purpose for NASA, uh, the sheer expense, you know, taxpayers aren't 
into it anymore. And and really what happened was the generation of people who were traumatized by the Challenger explosion, the kids, were old enough by the time Columbia came around to vote, let's just get rid of it. Right. They were the decision makers by the time the second disaster hit. So, so it's, it's, it's like it's like uh, digging in an old wound or some type of yeah. PTSD to, to get a response from people. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> like, wow, if we can't safely send people up, you know, twice as twice as even though it was only twice in in several decades, only twice over the whole history of a very dangerous endeavor that we knew was incredibly risky from the very beginning. I remember being frustrated as a kid, like, OK, it's really sad that 14 <clears throat> people died, but like we knew the risk going into this and we thought it was worth it. So why would we quit after two explosions? In a way, yeah, in a way it feels like decades of, of NASA trying like, okay, let me put it this way. It feels like NASA built up people's hopes and, and whatever that we would go to space. We'd colonize the moon that we would have these things. Right. And Mm -hmm. then some, this is something happened. They decide Mm -hmm. they don't want to go to space anymore. Mm-hmm. And then it feels like decades of like, how do we sell this to the public in a way that will convince them not to want the moon, not to want to go yeah. to Mars, not to want to go to space. You sold us this whole dream. Cause it started with, you know, Apollo 13 or whatever it feels like. And it just kind of, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like Apollo 11 lands on the moon. Apollo 13 is a disaster. Mm-hmm. They we barely stopped going to it. the moon. Yeah. Right. Stop going. Then yep. we stopped sending normal people to space. Then we just stop going to space. It feels like a, does that make sense? I don't know. That's at least how I'm yeah. seeing it in my mind. Yeah. It's a good, but you're right. This is like the most dangerous endeavor you could possibly take is launching people on the backs of rockets into yeah. a vacuum. Like who thought it was like, going to be safe. It's almost like our initial success set an expectation. <clears throat> yeah. Um, f- that we couldn't statistically uphold but let's let's come back to that i want to talk a little bit more about the columbia disaster uh, we have a photo of the crew um yeah kind of a sweet photo in space here <laughs> i before we started streaming i called this the rainbow coalition of trekkie nerds <laughs> <laughs> that's what it looks like to me have some respect know. for the dead people sorry, just they're sorry. nerds doesn't mean you can mock them it's just the red and the blue shirts and the fact that they're obviously really trying to like have diversity in the yeah. group <laughs> um it's but, knockoff star trek it's what's that movie um, oh st- um with tim allen <laughs> i know what you're talking about i can't remember um, oh god galaxy okay. quest this is galaxy galaxy quest, quest. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so but this photo was taken in space and then they burned up on re-entry like you saw it coming back through so this was taken on film which is very flammable extremely yeah touchy the the small just amount- flammable but like heat and anything would would mess with it even if it, it wasn't would destroy burning. it yeah yeah you have you have a burning fireball that you can barely get a good picture of coming back in but but the story the narrative is that this film canister was found in the wreckage and developed so that we could have this heartwarming photo of did them they did they also find the passport of the guy who <laughs> caused it I do believe they also <clears throat> found the passport of okay. of the Middle Eastern <laughs> man who hijacked <laughs> the Columbia. 
the Colombian man who um, <laughs> this is a this is a quote from from an article. Um, the search for debris took weeks as it was shed over a zone of some two thousand square miles. Two thousand square miles <clears throat> in East Texas. And of that's almost as big as my mother in law. <laughs> Of the pieces that they that they suppose that they that they pulled together, they they found um, <clears throat> they found this film canister completely undamaged and able to be developed at such quality, and they found this was the one they DNA tested for DNA tested the remains they said they found. So. Well, if they can find if they can find <laughs> film canisters, I'm sure they can find DNA. I'm sure they can find DNA. Um, I, why did it explode? I want to read, normally I wouldn't go to Wikipedia for, for research, but whoever wrote this Wikipedia article was salty and I love it. I love it in a terrible kind of way. Go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and read it. Um, starting in, in paragraph two, the mission designated STS 107 was the 28th flight for the orbiter, the 113th flight of the space shuttle fleet. And the 88th after the Challenger disaster. So we had launched 88 times since the Challenger. Mm. It was dedicated to research and ver- like we forget how common this was because it's so rare that we see a launch. And and I don't I don't very very rare we see a launch with human beings. Most of the launches are are Elon just sending rockets up. You know. Again, just thinking PR wise, is that <clears throat> better? Like this, I'm I'm actually asking this question. Mm-hmm. Is it better to not show the launches and make the taxpayers go, man, we're spending a lot of money or is it better or, or is it, is it different where if you don't show the launches, people forget about the space program. Don't think it's important. Stop caring about funding it. Like that's my very legitimate question. I'm not, I don't have yeah. an answer to that. I don't e- I don't either. Um, it's difficult to get my head around how common this was. Cause somebody, by the time somebody I, had yeah. to have known like had or thought this through, like, which one's better for what goal they're trying to achieve? Are they trying mm. to de- are they trying to get people to not care about space or are they trying to get people to not care about the money spent? Like that's what I'm mm. wondering. Yeah. I genuinely don't know. And this is there are no easy answers with the NASA conspiracies. Um but let's let's keep going. Yeah. Um this is I'll keep reading this. 88th after the Challenger disaster. It was dedicated to research in various fields, mainly on board a module inside the shuttle. During launch, a piece of the insulating foam broke off from the space shuttle external tank and struck the thermal protection system tiles on the orbiter's left wing. Similar foam foam shedding had occurred during previous space shuttle launches, causing damage that ranged from minor to near catastrophic but some engineers suspected that the damage to Columbia was more serious than that. Before re-entry, NASA managers had limited the investigation, reasoning that the crew could not have fixed the problem if it had been confirmed. When Columbia re-entered, the atmosphere of Earth, the damage allowed hot atmospheric gases to penetrate the heat shield and destroy the internal wing structure, which caused the orbiter to become unstable and break apart. So... Again, and I'm going to get back into the Challenger stuff, but the guy in the TikTok already alluded to the idea that the problem with the Challenger was known. They they knew that the O-rings could fail. They were warned that the O-rings would fail if they launched on that day in that temperature. 
and they did it anyway. And then we have the Columbia with the same thing where you have a problem that you know about that's already caused near catastrophic damage prior and you don't fix it. It's so weird because yeah, like it's not, it's not that they're worried about money. I don't think right. Like government government spends money. like And if it's not, widely televised stuff then i'm i'm i don't know maybe it's promotions or worried about their job i guess like trying to get out on time but it just seems so i don't know like look humans have hubris and or whatever we'll take stupid mm. risks if they think that uh it's too much work to fix a mistake but it's weird yeah it's definitely weird it's the government um i want yeah i want to talk about this more so that that theme of negligence is consistent with what happened with the challenger um mm-hmm. And Malcolm Gladwell, who's an author I really, really appreciate. He's a journalist. He does a lot of work in psychology of just like the psychology of how you look at the world. And one of his, uh, he's got an essay collection called What the Dog Saw. And in it, he has a, a essay called Blow Up, which is about the Challenger disaster. And in it, what he argues is that basically he says as, as, a nation as a culture, we have a ritual that we do after every major disaster like this. We examine it and we try to find something to blame. And then we say, here's the thing that went wrong. This is the people to blame and we're never going to let it happen again. Mm-hmm. Instead of recognizing this combination of like, these things happen. And um, this wasn't, this is a, this is a feature, not a bug. Um, so he argues that the way that NASA is designed necessitated this outcome that each each part of NASA, each department had an acceptable amount of risk that they were allowed to get to. So it wasn't just the O-rings. It's, it's easy to just kind of bring it down to that, but everything mm-hmm. had backups on backups on backups, but every single piece of it had an acceptable amount of risk and everybody maxed out their acceptable risk. And by the time you add all that together, you have a really high probability of failure, but they didn't No one department did anything wrong. That's they, that makes yeah, sense. They did their jobs according to how they were supposed to. Right. And that, that kind of it's government work. Yeah, it's government work. <laughs> and Someone like Elon, who's running a private company, is going to be presumably assessing those higher level risks at that top level, but you're not going to get that with a government program because they're the government. No, because that's how the government works. Like I wasn't even joking. That is just yeah. how the government works. Yeah. Really quickly, Frida uh, sent us uh, some aged up photos of the uh, astronauts. We'll check those out really quick. So Let's thank you it. so much, Frida. Ooh. Uh, I got to say, looking through, like, it's not the greatest aging um, software or whatever, but I feel like it just kind of more confirms, especially this one. Yeah. I feel like it kind of more confirms what we were thinking. That's like one it, of the they twins. They just so. really, yeah, that's, those two are the twins. Um, it does something kind of creepy to their eyes. It I'm does something, it, it does something creepy, but I feel like it's just further like, yeah, you know, and again, Chris is the one who I find the least, yeah, the least compelling. Yeah. You know, what's funny is we do know what he looks like and he looks like aged up because they're twin brothers. Yeah, at this they, age, yeah. and this one especially, Ananuki or on an on, on, oh my gosh, I'm gonna say his name wrong, Ananaka or whatever his name is. He looks exactly like his twin brother in yeah. this age up, so that's pretty interesting. Yeah, but uh, 
It's yeah, it's a, yeah. it's really fast. Thank you, Freda, for that. Thank you. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Um, AI is fascinating. Yeah. But Malcolm Gladwell, I I really highly recommend his work, um, both in this essay and in another book called Talking to Strangers, where he kind of goes into this whole idea of hindsight, how we can look back and really judge people harshly for negligence or for missing a warning, um, for not believing somebody about an abuse, um, and kind of going into the psychology of like why people miss things and why people miss warnings. So he talks about 9-11 and how people were warned about 9-11 a long time before it happened, warned about the possibility, um, and kind of examines. So if you want to get into that like psychology, I think it's really important for talking about conspiracies <clears throat> like this. Yeah. And just as a human, not just to kind of, I don't, I don't ever want to write off like human error and how, yes. And even hubris and things like that. Like the human, for instance, like this guy who wrote these emails about the O-rings, like, do we know for a fact that he wasn't an over warrior that like people just got sick of listening to this dude? Right. And I'm not making excuses for them. I'm just saying like, I could see a reality where people are like, this guy freaking worries about everything. Yeah. Like shut up. I know what I'm doing. And and then that's the other thing too, is like people don't like being told how to do their job. Yeah. So, and again, they had backups on backups on backups. Yeah. And how were they to know that every single one other backup would not. Yeah. Yeah. So, but speaking of horrible tragedies that we would never talk about um, on this show, let's talk about the Titanic again. So, This is another example of of something where you had a high level of technology that was fairly new. Um, it was it was quite new. Yeah. Um, and there was this excitement of a new technology and this incredible faith in the advancement of humanity, and then it failed. Mm-hmm. And when we whenever something like that happens, it's more uncomfortable to believe that it was just human failure than to believe that it was this massive conspiracy where somebody killed a bunch of people on purpose for, for gain. It's, it's usually it's, it's uncomfortable to believe a conspiracy theory, but there, there are types of conspiracy theories that are more common because it's more comfortable to believe the conspiracy than yeah, the reality. For sure. So I want to make sure we don't fall into that. <clears throat> right. Here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I want, I'm trying to be fair and balanced with this and also just kind of discuss this at a higher level. Um, like for me, it would, I, I would, all of everything that you're saying, I would take into more account in a normal conspiracy. It's the doppelganger thing that makes me like throw it all out the window. Right. So like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So like, it's different than the Titanic, for instance, in that way where it's like, well, we don't have all these billionaires who are on the Titanic. Also Billy, you know, billionaire (laughs) twin brother that existed out of nowhere. Exactly. Uh, Also, I like this comment over on, on rumble. It says, uh, uh, Frida asks, which do you think causes more problems, ignorance or arrogance? And Jared says, yes. Yes. So <laughs> true. Yeah, Jared's yeah. right. That's good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I find it really compelling the idea that humans reached our limits and that we got terrified by it. And mm. that's the why this program ended, that, that we saw how powerless we were against the void, even on short trips. Um, and we saw how far away or seemingly impossible, seemingly out of our reach, the sci-fi fiction of, of space civilizations was that we got freaked out by the lack of linear improvement in humanity um, that chronological chauvinism would suggest. We saw ourselves losing the technology and we got freaked out and we wanted it to stop. Right. Um, 
and maybe space travel is legitimately too complex for humanity. Maybe there is genuinely something it's just beyond us. Like maybe there if if there's a concept of like there's an upper limit to our technology that what we could accomplish. I'll throw a crazy thing out here real quick okay. because we were talking about this on so we went on the current conversations podcast. I don't know when that episode comes out, but I will drop it in the telegram and our discord and things like that. For people who want to see it, but um, we were talking about uh, Eisenhower and how he supposedly met with the grays. And part of me right now is, is like in my crazy unhinged mind is going like, what if in, in that degradation of technology, you know what I mean? Like we're handed something and mm. it works great. Like you, you could give a caveman a cell phone. It's going to work great. But as soon as it breaks, we don't know how to fix it. Right. So it's like, I wonder how much of the technology that mm-hmm. we might've had was like, we can't replicate and continue doing this because we don't fully understand how we don't it works. get it. We are going to get so much farther down that rabbit hole. So okay. I'm glad you perfect. Said that. Perfect. I'm glad you said that. I'm, I'm <clears> trying to set up something here. Um, this is, you guys are seeing a lot of my thought. Usually my thought process. Usually I have something like fully packaged for you. And this time I think I just wanted you to see more of it. Um, Because this one is so fascinating of a journey. So, I find this funny too. I, w- I want to comment on that before you go ahead. Sorry. But like one of the things I think is important to understand about this show is that we're on this journey with all of you guys. We're trying to understand. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of people come into the conspiracy podcasting world or, t- or TikToks or Instagram, whatever. And they want to pretend that they have all the answers and you're stupid if you don't believe exactly stupid. like them. And I don't want to do that. And it's funny because like people will comment on our stuff like we're idiots because we're trying to figure out the truth. And it's like, I don't know. I feel like it, you should give us a little bit more grace because I think at the end of the day, we're asking the questions and trying and doing the research because we want to get there. We want to bring you guys along with us. And that's why we have things like Discord and Telegram. And that's why mm-hmm. we do a segment at the end of the show. Uh, if you're an audio listener and you, you, maybe you don't know this, but we do a segment at the end of the show and we just talk with people uh, who are who are watching live and rumble things like that because I think that that is important to what we're doing. And so we're not coming here like we have all the answers every time, but we're trying to figure it out and present you guys with as much as we can and, and learning at the same mm-hmm. time. So for a long time, I've thought that trying for space is a babble type endeavor mm. where it's, it's just trying to reach the gods, mm. trying to reach this pinnacle of, of humanity. Um, so it's interesting to me that we've, we succeeded a little bit and then we continually failed. Um, and I think what I'm trying to get to is that everything with NASA feels like more than a conspiracy theory to me. It feels spiritual. And mm. I want to get further into that. But first. <laughs> Space station fuckery. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, because <clears throat> the Challenger disaster is not the only major Ma- NASA conspiracy theory trending, trending on TikTok. So I got another TikTok for you. All right. Let me uh, pull this one up real quick. This is a guy this, talking. Oh, today I'd like to. Sorry. It plays the moment I click on the tab. Oh, I'm Go sorry. <laughs> uh, this is a guy talking to the, uh, the county commission of the county where the Kennedy Space Center is. So that's the context of what's going on here. All right. Bring to your attention a potential fraud on an enormous scale happening in your county. There's now clear evidence of NASA using numerous methods to grossly mislead the public about astronauts being on the International Space Station. 
During interior ISS scenes from NASA's own live feed, the use of wires, harnesses, green screens, and virtual reality have been detected to achieve the appearance of a weightless environment. Examples of this include astronauts fading in and out of the screen, green screen glitches, grabbing objects that aren't really there, pulling on invisible wires, getting tangled in their harnesses, and even astronauts appearing out of thin air. This begs the obvious question. If they're really up there, why are they using Hollywood techniques to fake the footage? Now, unfortunately, I can't show you these clips in here today, but I will be sending them to you. Outside the International Space Station, during spacewalks, air bubbles have been recorded on numerous occasions. How is it possible for air bubbles to be present in the vacuum of space? I once questioned astronaut Scott Kelly about this phenomenon. His body language and answers only created more questions. In 2013, astronaut Luca Parmitano nearly drowned during a spacewalk when his helmet filled with water. This happened again just last year. Air bubbles, helmets filling with water, and drowning. Are they in space or are they underwater? Now what's really interesting is that they train for spacewalks in an underwater pool with a complete ISS replica. Now surely they aren't filming these spacewalks in an underwater pool and then editing them to appear if they're in space. Because that sure would be something, wouldn't it? I'm calling on the Brevard County Commissioners to open a full investigation into NASA's fraudulent practices and use of taxpayer dollars. It costs NASA $3 billion per year to operate the ISS, and if they don't have a darn good explanation as to why they're faking these videos, I and the public would like a darn good explanation as to where our tax money is going. And if they are indeed faking the funk, it is our duty to expose and eliminate this fraudulent and astronomically wasteful ISS program. And look, I know what you're all thinking. <laughs> NASA is part of the federal government, and you're just county commissioners. Even if what I'm saying is true, what can you do? But let me remind you, not only is this happening in your county, as public officials, you have the platform and the ability to make a statement or hold a press conference, alerting the public, state, and federal authorities to investigate further. You have the power to start the conversation. Video evidence of everything I described today will be emailed to you all, and I truly hope we can get to the bottom of this. I look forward to the day that $3 billion annual budget is put towards our veterans, our homeless, maybe some of that mental health stuff the young lady just spoke about, and the revitalization of Brevard County. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, so that wasn't the most viral one, but I pulled that because that was real life, as opposed mm -hmm. to just somebody creating content on <clears throat> TikTok for gullible zoomers so I like, I like how kelsey over on uh rumble says i love that there are people out there bringing this quote-unquote conspiracy content before the courts yeah more people need mm -hmm. to do this it's awesome yeah it's very cool so he's putting forward this theory that no one is up there um that all the <clears throat> footage is being filmed against green screen screen against green screens uh in harnesses so that they can spoof being in space and then underwater on the underwater neutral buoyancy lab at the Johnson Space Center. So I want to show you this lab. This water is unbelievably clear. Uh, they take great pains to keep it very clear for some reason. Um, it's it's a full-size replica of the space station, and it's ostensibly for practice. But it is so perfect and so clear that it would be very simple for them to just film spacewalks under there the footage that comes from their practice down here looks exactly the same as the spacewalks yes we have a couple more photos of, of people down there in spacesuits and and more close-ups of that yeah so here's here's one of those i mean just take the divers out make it black and 
and I would believe it happened in space. Right. And they do when, when the divers aren't there, these, these, uh, underwater diving suits that are the exact same as the space suits. They don't have bubbles coming out of them the way that the divers do. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. And uh, then there's, uh, this one here, right? Yeah. This is just kind of a better idea of scale of how big this pool is. And, and my question is if this is for training, why do they need the, in- maybe I'm just being silly, but do they need the entire thing in there? Do they need an entire perfect replica or do they need just the pieces that you would need to practice on? The thing, the thing that's, that gets to me, right. Is like, <clears throat> even if you play devil's advocate and say the space station exists and it's out there, there's, there's parts of this footage. That's just like, there's some silly ones. Don't get me wrong. Or some like, I don't, shouldn't call them silly, but like they, they, they're probably fake, you could but debunk them. you yeah. could debunk them. And I watched a few debunking videos of this earlier and they're all based on the weakest arguments, the right? Yeah. Not of the space helmets filling up with water. Yeah. Not of the, uh, bubbles in space and not of the very obvious wire harnesses that's going on. That's the thing that yeah. really like the wire harness ones are so yeah. weird. What gets to me is the simplest thing. It's the women's hair. They mm. it's it's in all these live streams. It's so obviously hair pushed up in with um spray hairspray because it doesn't move at all. If you're in space, your hair is going to be floating up behind you, but it's going to move like you were underwater. It's not going to be just stiff. No matter what you do, it doesn't move anywhere. Um, and when people are like, are you really in space? They'll just like, look, my hair. It's it's just so like, it's so dumb. And it's, it's so also clear. like really straight up that you don't even see in a pool. Yeah. That's yeah. weird. It's yeah. ridiculous. And the way that the people act are the way that people would act if they knew they were acting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're very awkward. Go and watch it. Go watch some clips. Um, this is one of those things I just encourage you to like go scroll through them because I spent probably a half an hour just like watching these clips of people in these videos acting talking it's really weird there's doesn't take many brain cells to figure out there's something strange going on there now again this doesn't mean that there's no one up there it just means that what they're filming is not up there in the same way that the doppelgangers on the challenger with the challenger means that those people didn't die not that nobody died right potentially potentially so we'll we'll get back to that <laughs> cuz it could be so, but, but back to this a little bit. <laughs> Remember how the shuttle program was canceled? How do you think people get to the International <clears throat> Space Station, PJ? Uh, well, I would imagine shuttles <laughs> would have to take them there, but I don't know. It's a ladder. Like what? What? what I, what, I never thought about that before. That's a really <laughs> good question. Well, how do they get there? Um, allegedly, we made a deal with the Russians. Oh, of course. To use their shuttles to get our people to space it's like the russians like long term won the cold war like how how do you start a whole space program just to beat russia and then ultimately cancel your shuttle program and hand it to russia this makes literally no sense historically by the way how did we beat russia like like think about this how did the berlin wall come down how do we, we outspent them yeah. That's literally what it came down to. If anybody wants to study like Ronald Reagan and the, and the great fall of Berlin and then to see what happened to Russia in the 90s after the oligarchies came apart and it just became mob, like it became a 
essentially, yeah, mob rule. Like there was all of these different kingpins and and whatever who were running the streets and it was very dangerous, but it was all ran by crime bosses throughout all the nineties and into the two thousands. How does a country like that have a better space program than us? Yeah. Devil's advocate. It was Obama who did this. So I mean, I I wouldn't put it past Obama, Biden, any, any of those guys to thoroughly humiliate the United States by making a deal with Russia for the shuttle program. But it's still, it's still kind of just really doesn't make sense to me. And I want to get back to the cold war stuff about space because there's a lot that doesn't make sense to me about that. So we know that NASA's lying. We know that they lied about the challenger. We know that they lie about the international space station. We just don't know to what extent they're lying and for how long they've been lying. A lot of people will say, well, yeah, they were been lying since the beginning. They never put anybody on the moon in the first place. Right. I think they did, but <laughs> let's, because one of the things people come back to is like, we don't have this technology anymore. And how could we, how could we lose the technology? How, like, obviously that's really weird. So perhaps uh, before we talk about why we lost it, we should talk about how we got it in the first place. Right. So NASA's evil scientists, <laughs> the, and they're comically evil. Like this is where the idea of evil scientists came from. Yeah. The Marvel comic books just <laughs> copied these people. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I said this felt spiritual and this is why. The primary issue with getting to space was having a rocket powerful enough to get you out of the atmosphere. And that's why NASA used JPL, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. This laboratory was founded by a bunch of crazy college kids uh, and researchers from Caltech. Um, This is a photo of them. They were called the Suicide Squad because they were constantly almost blowing themselves up. They really had, they were known for having no regard for their lives. Until one of them maybe did. <laughs> yeah. Um they weren't they were known for being pretty dark. Let's put it that way. They they had this nickname for a reason. Um they were headed up by Frank Molina, who's on the far left, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um and Jack Parsons, who's the second from the far left. Um I could be wrong about which one's Frank cuz he doesn't really matter. Well, no, the one second to the left is definitely Jack Parsons. Yeah, the second to the left is definitely Jack Parsons. I'm not sure which one's Frank. <clears throat> he was the okay. other head. Um, Jack Parsons was an incredibly evil person, deeply involved in the occult. And even as a child, he attempted to summon a demon to his room. Yeah. So we're going to talk a about him. student of Crowley. Yeah. Yeah. We're definitely going to talk a little bit more about him in a minute, but this suicide <clears throat> squad was in contact with literal Nazi Werner von Braun while they were in college. Like, yeah. These college kids were so intensely interested in their pursuit in, in rocket science that they were put in direct contact with an with a Nazi. Um, and we're going to talk about him more. <laughs> but where did they choose? Where did the Suicide Squad choose to do their serious rocket testing? They chose to do it outside of Pasadena at a place called Devil's Gate. Um, of all the places in the desert, of all the places they could have, they chose. Um, this is this is on the corner of a big dam. 
but this rock formation has been here for a long time. A lot of people feel like it looks like a demon. I couldn't get an angle that really made it compelling to me as a demon, but it is a weird rock formation and it does give really weird vibes. But what I, what I center on is that the indigenous people groups are scared of this place. They will not go here. This is, this is, there's always an indigenous people group, guys. <laughs> you thought this was about NASA and there wasn't going to be one. You were wrong. They won't go here. They recognize this as a deeply evil place. Um, it's it's known as a portal to hell. <laughs> it's um, I don't like looking at this picture. There's something yeah, we'll pull it down. about it. Um, but yeah, they did. They the suicide <clears throat> squad did their research here. Um, we have a photo of them kind of doing stuff. <laughs> Blowing stuff up, risking their lives in this area. This would look, this is the White Sands Proving Ground of New Mexico, right? Essentially. Yes, but it's in it's just outside of Pasadena. Okay, California. Yeah. Okay, still the same area. So, like, for people yeah. who are not familiar, there's this large area that includes the White Sands Proving Ground and Area 51. Mm. So you got New Mexico and uh, and uh, Nevada. Yeah. And just outside of California, but this big desertous area where all mm-hmm. this crazy stuff happened in the 1940s and on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I'm sure it's a total coincidence, but the first time they succeeded in their objective in, in, in setting the rockets up the way that they wanted to was on Halloween of, of 1936 in this evil location. <laughs> and one of them is a very serious occultist. To- I'm sure this is a total coincidence and had nothing to do with anything. <laughs> um, is, is this, sorry, question. <clears throat> is this when or right after that Jack Parsons went out and did these literal occult after. ritual? This, right after. No. So he did this first. Okay. And then he got done with JPL. He, he found a JPL and then left it. Right. And then what, what Jack did next, let's show a photo of Jack. What he did next after he succeeded in science, right? Right? Mm-hmm. right? right. He succeeded in science, right? He then went on to pursue an incredible occult thing. So he was a protege of Aleister Crowley, uh, who we also have a photo of, who is known as the wickedest man that has ever lived in the world <laughs> for um, good reason, by the way, um, this was, he was known as this before anyone knew about Hitler, but still on, on some levels, still the most like deeply evil, viscerally evil man to have ever walked the planet. And intentionally. So that's how he wanted it. He called himself the beast from revelation. He really wanted to be the beast. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was into all of this crazy sex magic, um, the, the most depraved stuff that you can't even imagine and shouldn't. Um, he wrote a lot of things about it. He wrote instructions for a magic working that he never did called the Babylon working. And Jack Parsons is the one who did it. So for three, three months out in that same area of the White Sands um, area, he was off in a cabin with his friend L. Ron Hubbard, who we have. And yes. they did this with a couple random women. They did this three-month sex magic ritual that Crowley had written. And the entire time they were in contact with Crowley, 
And Crowley was warning them, this is too big for you. It's going <laughs> to get out of hand. Um, and <laughs> they did it. And you can believe whatever you want about magic. And we're this episode is not about Crowley. It's not about magic. Um, we're just touching on this. We'll do it on another episode. We are planning to do a much deeper dive yes. into all of what we're talking about right now. So yeah, this is just a scratching yeah. the surface of something that's coming up. But what he believed he was doing, what Jack and Elrond and Crowley believed he was doing was opening a portal. And what mm-hmm. we saw immediately after um, was first Jack, Jack's house blew up. He, he died in, ex, in an explosion, um, allegedly a freak accident. And the theory goes, for those who do believe in this magic stuff, that because he was the creator of the portal, he couldn't then close it because he right. was dead. Um, and immediately after, you get the Roswell crash, mm. and then you get this incredible uptick in people seeing UFOs. By the way, just for a little bit more context on that, Alistair Crowley summoned a demon through a portal in Scotland and there's a picture of it. I'll actually find this while you're talking. There's a picture of it. It looks like a gray. So you don't Mm. see the, you don't see gray aliens or the talk of them or the, uh, the concept of them until after Parsons opens a portal in the white sands desert, right where Roswell and all these things start taking place. And he dies and is never able to close this. And this is very important. Like whether you believe it or not, this is extremely important in uh, occult magic is the idea yeah. that if you open a portal, you have to close it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's crazy stuff. So, Oh, sorry. Really quick. Somebody asked L Ron Hubbard, like Scientology. L Ron Hubbard. Yeah. Yes. yes. Same L Ron Hubbard. Yes. He went on to found Scientology. He was also a sci-fi author. So yeah, this is, this is the, this is who founded JPL. This is who founded the kind of core piece at least the beginning, the cornerstone, I would say, of the technology that sent us into space. Yes. And I think it's incredible, like, it can't be understated that Jack headed this thing up, founded this thing, and succeeded on this level in science, question mark. And then instead of continuing to pursue science, which he was incredibly succeeding in, he went on into the occult, which leads me to believe that what he actually su- succeeded in was the occult, which is why he went further into the thing that he was good at. Exactly. Yeah. So Especially if, like you said, he was able to do the Babylon workings, which Aleister Crowley himself said his body was not able to. I don't want to yeah. get into what it is exactly yeah. on this episode. We'll talk about it in the future, but it involves daily satanic sex magic rituals and they're very um, gross, gross and taxing. And probably involved that probably definitely involves uh, homophobia, pedophilia, or not homophobia. Homophobia. You have to be very homoerotic acts, pedophilic acts, all everything like really evil, really terrible stuff. Yeah, really, really bad. Um. Okay. So to talk about something lighter, let's (laughs) talk about Nazis. (laughs) (laughs) That's much lighter. That's so much lighter. Um. We all know about Operation Paperclip. Yes. Um, the United States imported over 1,600 smart Nazis because Russia was also importing smart Nazis. Mm-hmm. And so instead of, and these weren't just people who were just caught up in the regime, like innocent people. No, some of them were very, very, very evil people. Provably, very awful things. These were people who had committed war crimes on a level that 
most people don't ever conceive of. Mm-hmm. They were doing human experiments. Um, their science was evil. Like this is just established. Their science was as evil as science can be in our realm of imagination. Mm-hmm. And it was Stalin who didn't want to execute them. It was Stalin who insisted Stalin, one of the other most evil people in the world, right? Who insisted that they be extended mercy and that they be split up between the countries. And what, what happens is that we get Werner, Werner von Braun as our director of Marshall Space Center. He was the chief ar- architect of Saturn V, which is the rocket part of the situation that got us to the moon. We have a picture of him. Um, I'm annoyed at how handsome this person is because he's so evil. Like you just want an evil person to be ugly, I guess. I don't know. This I also my... pointed out that in this photo, he kind of looks like Walt Disney a little bit. He does. Look like yeah. <laughs> um, here's, here's where, here's where my theory of all of this comes in. We know that the Nazis had secrets. We know that they did incredibly evil science. And the evil of the Nazis has been wildly overshadowed by, by the Holocaust. As evil as the Holocaust was, and not to diminish it in any way, it was a piece of what they did. It was not all of what they did. And right. summing up the evil of the Nazis as the Holocaust is to forget a massive amount of evil that was perpetrated in the name of science. That is... Again, I want to say this the right way. And if you take me the wrong way, that's on you because I think we're pretty clear on this. Holocaust is one of the most evil things that's ever happened in history. Mm-hmm. The problem is that because it was so evil, every other evil of that gener- of that era gets it's kind forgotten. of forgotten about. We yep. talked about this unit unit 731 out of Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the mainstream idea about why we nuked Japan or whatever was like, wow, we nuked Japan. What were they? They weren't that bad. They um, were. They yeah. were. No, my point is like Japan yeah. gets looked at as like Boy Scouts compared to the Nazis. I'd say it's the opposite, in all yeah. honesty. Awesome. And then same with Stalin. Holy crap. He killed way more people than Hitler. So did mm-hmm. Mao. So, I mean, yeah. by just by percentages, um, so did um, Pol Pot. He killed yeah. two thirds of his country. <laughs> two thirds. Really, really bad. And you don't have to, I think that for some reason, it's easier to get our heads around this concept of. Oh, you just hated a group of people so much you wanted to kill them all. That for some reason, I th- th- that's small enough for people to fit in their heads, and the evils that are bigger than that are just too much for people to I fathom. Think, but you're exactly right, though. It is the race aspect of the Holocaust that is why people can fathom it because people can fathom racism. Yes. I don't think that they can fathom the evils that were perpet- perpetuated in all of these other places and in right. all these other ways. Uh, so it's just. People right. cling. I think people just cling to it because they're like, "Well, we get racism." It's it's yeah. And that's the problem is that Germany was evil before they used racism as their excuse to be evil. Yes. It it wasn't like, "Oops, we accidentally slid in because we were racist. We accidentally did this evil thing." Because no, they were just act like as soon as as soon as you have a bad opinion of a race, you're just automatically gonna like become a Nazi. No, they were they were evil before that. It was just an yes. excuse. Um, and all humans are, <laughs> um, but all humans are capable of this level of evil. Not humans, not all humans are this evil, but we certainly have it in us to be 
But here's what I want to understand. Why did we decide coming off of World War II, you, you know what would be like the best way to prove which country is better? Going to the moon. That's a good question. Like, why did because, we, like, we just you can look at that? Yeah, right, like you could look at it in the late 80s version, right? Which is we outspent Russia and that's how we won right. the Cold War. It's kind of like the textbook answer. Yeah. But there is something weirder about that going back to the 1940s and 50s. Like why? Who? 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 <laughs> <laughs> Did Roosevelt and Stalin just get? In, I'm sorry. Truman. It was well, but Kennedy was the one who said he was going to go to the moon. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought but you were like, talking about post-World War II because Truman was the president at the very end right. of World War II. Yeah, go ahead. Well, all of them, whoever did it, right? Did they get into a room and, and say like, okay, the next thing that's important for humanity is getting to the moon? Because it feels like this frivolous thing, right? It feels like just a stunt of like, h- how was that the thing we decided to focus on? Focus billions of dollars on. It's, it, well, Again, sorry, I'm getting a little unhinged here in my thought process. Uh, it it makes you wonder, what did they agree on at that time? They mm-hmm. agreed on Antarctica. And the uh, the concept yeah. around Antarctica is that they found uh, ancient evil aliens, whatever you want to call it there. So it's like, I wonder if... <laughs> Pyramids. Yeah, something. I don't know, man. He, okay, this is the theory I'm going to put forward. Here's my theory. You can... This is where I landed. You can land wherever you want. I think that... As they were investigating the Nazis at the end of the war, they realized that they had stumbled on something. They realized that the Nazis had stumbled on some sort of dark power. They had been doing deeply evil things um, and found deeply evil things that Russia and America both realized, oh, they have something. And that something led them to the conclusion that they needed to get to the moon as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. And so they split up the scientists and then they raced to the moon. And then the the people who got them there are a cult, like this occult person is a big part of getting them there. And then they get there and then they can't replicate the technology. Not that long later. We certainly can't do it now, all these years later. And there's something deeply weird and spiritual about it. And at some point, they stopped sending up the people, and maybe they never did. Maybe Buzz Aldrin never walked on the moon. Um, Maybe they always filmed the people, sent somebody, so Mm -hmm. that like it actually happened, but filmed the part that they wanted you to see. And my wondering is if they told us who they were sending up, we would know that they were sending up occultists. We would know that they were sending up priests. We would know that they were sending up the kind of people who can deal with the spiritual stuff that's up there. That's that's yeah, that's super. It gives a, it gives new context to that video we played on the uh, moon landing one where mm-hmm. the guy's like, Hey, we lost this technology, right? Mm-hmm. Also, again, I just want to point this out for people because I know we'll get the comments a million times. We definitely went to the we definitely didn't go to the moon and all those comments. My my big problem isn't all of the other things that people point out. It's it's the the things that we can see. And because I don't believe that we live in a a, a flat earth with a dome that's projecting images on it it's hard for me to ignore the things that we can see from earth that are on the moon that seemed like they were affected by whatever happened in 1969. So, um, footprints and reflectors and things like that mm-hmm. is my point. Right. Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah, it's weird. I was also thinking about this too, like, because in our theory that we've kind of stumbled into in, in uh-huh. our research is this idea that we went to the moon, something freaked us out, and we don't want to go back. But Russia supposedly has a better space program than us. They can send us to the damn space station and they don't go to the moon. Like, why is nobody going to the freaking moon? If if like, let's just for for sake of argument, say we had gone there. Mm-hmm. It is possible. Yeah. Why is nobody going back? Not just us. But why are the Russians not? Putin. Why is Japan not? Why is Putin who wants so bad, who wants so badly for a legacy for Russia to prove that Russia is better why is he invading Ukraine instead of putting somebody on the moon when their space program is better than ours? And they could, they could be like America lost the technology, but we can do it still. Couldn't like in theory, wouldn't having a space station be like, make it even easier to get to the moon? Like a you'd think halfway point kind of thing, yeah. a refuel station, something. I don't know. It's crazy that we haven't even attempted it since the space station. Cause the whole point of the and space the- station was to make all of this more. And the only one who seems intent on actually doing this stuff is Elon Musk, which leads me back. I don't know if you you guys did miss this probably if you didn't subscribe, but we talked about Elon Musk last week and how in my theory, I'm not saying I don't think he's a savior. I think that he wants to take the place of George Soros. I think he wants to rule the world and he's going to do it in a different way. He's a different generation. He's got different ideas, but I think he has those same intentions and those same goals, but Mm -hmm. he's doing it a very different way. And I'm like, but he wants to go to the moon. So mm. he, I think he knows something and, and it, whatever freaked everybody else out. He's like, no, we can do like I can do this. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Yep. That's, I want to talk about Elon more in the rumble section, but I want to leave you with this. We've kept saying Marvel movies are what is how a lot of this myth is being delivered to us. A lot of this predictive programming, a lot of Absolutely. this, like we should be paying attention to Marvel movies. And PJ said a couple weeks ago that, it wasn't until after Endgame that they started to do this. And I was like, no, no, no. They started started doing it. What's the very first Marvel movie that that in our modern era, what's the first one is is Captain America in, well, in new iteration, right? No, it was Iron Man. Okay. Are you talking about like chronologically though? Would- I guess chronologically, but yeah, Iron Man was first and then and then Captain America, right? There, there was a couple before Captain America. There was Iron Man 2 and Thor and then Captain America, I think. Really? Yeah, it's all good. It was an early one, though. Captain America it was phase one. was first, chronologically. <laughs> In phase one. It's the first one I knew about. Let's put okay. it that way. Um, and they told us then that there was something deeply evil about the Nazis, deeply evil and extraterrestrial beyond what we knew. They very much did. I, and by the way, I want to clarify my statement. That's a picture of Red Skull for people who are listening. Uh, I want to clarify my statement. I wasn't saying they didn't do this till after phase four. They've been doing predictive or till phase four. They've been doing predictive programming about all kinds of stuff, but mm-hmm. the Pantheon stuff is where it yes. changed. So right. like I've talked That's many even- times about how Winter Soldier is one of my favorites because it has paperclip and um, MK Ultra and all these things in it. But it was phase four where they started saying, hey, by the way, actually, all the old gods were they're, were, they're recreating the pantheon. They're saying the old mm-hmm. gods exist. Athena, uh, yeah. who, who do they introduce at this point? Quetzalcoatl, Athena, Gilgamesh. I'm trying to even remember all the names. Ra. Um, Eros at the very end of. Yep, that's right. Yep. Eros, Icarus. It's a huge list. But my point is all of phase four is really about all of the old gods have always been here. They're reawakening. 
that's going to be, by the way, our, our subject for tomorrow. I just want to push this one more time. If you guys want to get our bonus on hinge content, we're really trying to make this, this Thursday show a whole nother big thing. That's, that's a mm-hmm. lot of fun. We're doing a lot of research for this as well. We're going to be talking about the demonic history of pride month tomorrow. And we're also going to be reacting to the videos that you guys send us. So if you want to get anything in, we'll try to react to as many videos as you get, but we've got a few things to talk about with pride month coming up. And this idea that Ashra was reawakened with the Stonewall riots. And we've mm-hmm. seen the worship of her in our modern culture, completely a hundred percent mirror mm-hmm. the worship of her thousands of years ago, including the fact that June was the month to celebrate Ishtar by dressing up as the opposite sex and having parades. Yeah. So, so yeah. And you guys, for, so, you know where we're going with this channel right now, it's been like a matter of having the time and the commitment and the audience to justify the time and the commitment. But what we want to be doing is two full serious shows a week, one for free and one behind the paywall. So very soon we're going to start. I don't want to say that right now our show is lesser behind the paywall, but it's definitely less researched and more kind of off the cuff conversation. But very soon we're going to start doing full episodes like this. Yeah. So you're not going to want to miss it. Exactly. Hey, exactly. Money. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if we mentioned this, but we, uh, we have plans to do some on location stuff and things like yes. that in the future too. So any support would be greatly appreciated. Traveling yes. costs money and uh, some of the content that we're going to be uh, getting and doing is going to be worth it. So yeah, on location, a uh, uh, picture this on location in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we're at right That's now. What we That's want. where we're almost at right now <laughs> is driving a hundred miles, you know, 200 miles. <laughs> you think we're joking. We're not joking. We want to be on location in Ohio <laughs> <laughs> and Detroit and Detroit. <laughs> yeah. But other so, places yeah. too. Let's say goodbye to everybody. Go over to rumble and discuss. All right. If you guys are audio listeners and you want this next portion, go to conspiracypill.locals.com. Follow us there and you get the full audio version, including this. If not, we'll see you guys next week. 